All right. So I don't know if you noticed this, but on our handouts, I always have a little bit of a a review because I always want to throw something out that we've already uh, talked about or I've already discussed. And so on this review here, it says, the book of Hosea puts an emphasis on, and you have some blanks. And so I'm just going to ask you, because we've been into this several weeks now, what do you think Hosea puts an emphasis on? What's that? Sin. Sin? Yes, it does. What particularly? What else? Sin, idolatry. Um, So that's okay. So so that's basically the sin. And then what happened? What does God do to people, to Israel, after they sin? What comes next? Punishment Punishment or judgment? And then what comes after that? Restoration. There you go. So, the book of Hosea puts an emphasis on the restoration of Israel. So, if you want to put your finger on what specifically the theme of Hosea is, is the restoration of Israel. Now, all the minor prophets, and if we go through any of those books coming up in the next year or two, or however long God gives us, they all put an emphasis on something, specifically on towards the end times. And so the book of Hosea is the first minor prophet book, right? It's right after Daniel. And the emphasis is, what does it teach? Over and over and over and over, it teaches the restoration of Israel. And I was teaching on D2 the last couple weeks, and and we're focusing on uh, the theme of the Bible... And so let me let me just point out how many of you people have been through discipleship two D two in this class? Okay, so, so oh, almost all of you. Okay, so I didn't know if anybody had. So now that I know that, I can really ask you the deep Bible questions because that's where it's at, right? I mean, that's right up there with HBF. But you know, what is the theme of the Bible when we think about it? The kingdom. It's God's kingdom is the theme of the Bible. And for a Christian, it's just like, no, no, the, the, the theme of the Bible, since we're all narcissists in here, it, it's about me. It's about me getting saved. Well, for us, that is crucial, but for the big picture, it's about God's kingdom. And, and you know, God has two kingdoms. He has the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. One is spiritual, one is physical. And so, um, we see that. And so... I was teaching in a class and I said, you know, there are a lot of churches that will take the Old Testament and all the promises that God gives to the nation of Israel and they say, well, you know, Israel rejected Jesus Christ on the cross. The Jews rejected Jesus. So all those promises that God gave them now belong to the church. And we get all those promises. And that's called, I think, uh, theology replacement theology. Mm -hmm. And I'm not good on big words, okay? I'm just kind of short, sweet, simple guy. That's kind of funny. Okay. But anyway, (laughs) need a step ladder. I heard that. Uh, You didn't have to focus on the simple part, Rex. But anyway, uh, that's not the case. Because when God gave the Jews promises, He's going to fulfill them. And in the Old Testament, there are covenants, which are contracts that He gave them. And we talked about some of them at the first of the year. Remember, we were going through Abraham. He told Abraham He's going to give him something. Do you guys remember what He was going to give him? 
back in Genesis 12. I taught it right here in this class. We looked at it in Genesis 12. He told Abraham, I'm going to give you the... They walk on it. What is that called? The land. He's going to give Abraham and his descendants the land of Israel. That's a promise that God says, this is a done deal. Put a fork in it. It's done. It's your land. And right now, for the la- who's fighting over the land? The Muslims and, the, and Israel are still fighting over the land, but God says, I'm giving it to you. And so that won't exactly take place until the second coming when Christ comes and sits down on the throne, and then he's going to establish it permanently. And it's going to be a lot bigger than it is right now. And the Muslims are going to kind of be out. Okay? But anyway, we constantly see cycles in the Old Testament where God's people do what's right. And it's kind of like us. Or maybe it's like me. It's not like you because you guys are all tart. You're all on track for the Lord and you're just doing right every day. But me, i got to watch myself. So I do well for a while and then I'll mess up. And then God will judge me. I ask for forgiveness. And He restores I do a First John 1 9, and we're back good again. So my life is kind of a constant cycle doing that, okay? Now, I don't know if your life is like that. Does anybody in here have to go to the Lord and say, I'm sorry I did this, or please forgive me? I'm going to do a First John 1 9. Okay? Now, what I've said before in this class is I hope that those cycles in my life are slowing way down so it doesn't take me, you know, so they just don't spin like, you know, your your uh, your gas meter does in the wintertime, you know, it's just sitting there going round and round. But I, I hope my cycles are kind of slow. But we constantly see cycles in our life, but Israel was the same way. The nation of Israel as a nation is going through cycles all the time, okay? And a lot of times they get stuck on that sinning part. And it's going to take them a while to get out of that. And sometimes they're actually stuck on that part and God is judging them. And it's not till Christ comes back that they're going to ask for forgiveness and then get back on track again. So we constantly see cycles of Israel's doings. Good, sin, judgment, and then restoration. Okay. Um, And again, the focal point of all the minor prophets and basically the Bible is the kingdom and God's and Christ's second coming. That is the focal point. So, at the end of chapter 5 and verse 15, and I was hoping, let's go ahead and turn to Hosea. I was hoping Barry would be in here this morning because he asked me a question about that last verse that says, I will go and return to my place. And that's God talking. And he says, Till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. Have they done that yet? Has Israel admitted that they've messed up? They haven't messed up with the Messiah. They haven't, or Jesus. They have. They have. They haven't. Uh, they've messed up in their sins. And so, if they're still trying to live by the Old Testament law, I have a question for them: How are they right with God when there's not a temple they can go and sacrifice in? They're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. And the bottom line is, you know, right now they got to go to Jesus Christ. But that still, a lot of them are putting that off, and they. Seek my face, it says, in their affliction, they will seek me early. Now, um, Barry asked me about the early part, and it's really, that early part is really uh, defined by the affliction that we see before that. It says, in their affliction, 
in their in their affliction they will seek me early well that hasn't happened yet the affliction we're talking about here is tribulation affliction because in that three and a half in the middle of that three and a half years of the tribulation when the antichrist comes on the scene and and they finally realize they messed up they're going to have Moses they're going to have Elijah I'm, I'm talking about the Jewish people in Israel and they're going to have this book and between Moses and Elijah and, and the Holy Spirit and this book, they're going to start figuring it out real quickly during the tribulation. And they will seek him early. So I'm assuming that, er, I'm, I'm thinking that early is early at the midpoint of the tribulation. They're going to get, they're going, to get going. Okay? And they'll know, and here's the neat part. They're going to be told to run to the mountain. And my question and Carrie's question is, and we haven't figured this out yet, we're like, what mountain? But they're going to know because Elijah and Moses will be there. They're going to be God's two witnesses and they'll let them know at that point what mountain. And they're going to have to obey them and they're going to have to obey the Lord. They're going to have to run for their lives. But when they do, they're going to get everything put together. Okay? So that's what that is a reference to. Again, the book of Hosea is about their restoration. And again, that's not happening until Christ comes back and it, he won't come back till the end of the tribulation. Okay? So... Let's see where we're at. So at the end of chapter 5 and verse 15, we saw that God was finished with Israel until they acknowledge their sins and seek Him. Little did they know that blank years would pass. How long do you think it's been from Hosea all the way up till now? 2,700 years plus. That's a long time. That's a long time. And yet, I keep reading through the Minor Prophet and Hosea, and it's like, oh, it's going to be okay because God's going to restore them. But I'm thinking, yeah, but what about the people from then all the way up to then? How about the people from then, 2,700 years ago, all the way up until now? Because if in the Old Testament, if they weren't doing what's right, they're lost. In the New Testament, the last 2,000 years, if they don't accept Christ, they're lost. But yet he's going to restore the nation as a whole. But yet there's going to be a lot of people be lost and go to hell in the meantime. Which is a sad part. Okay? So, 2,700 years would pass in the phrase, in their affliction, is a reference to the, what? I just mentioned it. So you're blank. Tribulation. And they will seek me early. Now again, you can, you can study the word affliction, you can study the word early, and you can run them through the Bible, and you'll see over and over and over that they refer to a time period called the tribulation. So once you kind of see that phrase, once you see certain words, once you see that day that's in the Bible, your con- the context, you just automatically go, okay, I have a passage here that talks about the tribulation. And it may be in Ezekiel, it may be in Second Samuel, it might be in Matthew. It could be anywhere in the Bible, but when you see those, fra- that, those phrases or those key words, yeah. it's got a tribulation, second coming passage. So, now we're down to Hosea chapter 6. So, Hosea chapter 6 is the key verse. Or, or, let me say this. Chapter 6 and verse 1 is the key verse that I have for the book of Hosea. So let's read that. It says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. So again, the theme of Hosea is returning unto the Lord. Now most 
of the chapters that we've read so far have been doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. And at the end of the chapter, it's like, but don't worry, God's going to restore Israel. This chapter is different. We're going to start off with God uh, uh, reviving Israel, and then in a few verses down, we'll return to the doom and gloom. So this whole book of Hosea is constantly doom and gloom, God's going to restore. God's going to restore, doom and gloom. It's all the way through the book, okay? And so you sit there and you're like, God, I mean, why? this book is just hard to go through. But you know what? If you were in Hosea, if you were in that book, and Hosea was talking to the king, and you're sitting there and you got, you're thinking, hey guys, everything God, that Hosea is saying... Everything he's saying is right. We need to do this. And you see the whole group. You see the priest. You see the king. You see the rest of the false prophets doing what's wrong. And you're sitting there and you're like, how come you guys aren't obeying what God says through the prophet Hosea? And nothing's going right in the land. And you're seeing total downfall. But you're there. So why did God write the book of Hosea? To give those people hope to give them prophecy of what's going to take place in the future. And for those Jews in the tribulation, they can be reading the book of Hosea and it's going to just make sense to them. Okay? So we got the key verse here. So let's go ahead and read the whole chapter and then we'll back up and see if we can go through some of these things. It says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. And in the third day, he will, rise, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. So again, good news, right? Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His goings forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us, unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. O Ephraim, now remember in, in the book of Hosea, a lot of times it, he calls the nation of Israel, the ten northern tribes, he calls them Ephraim because they're the major tribe. They're the bigger tribe of all the group. So sometimes you'll see in the passage he'll refer to them as Ephraim. It says, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? Because we know we found out the last few weeks within a short time the evil ways of the northern kingdom, their their idolatry is going to sneak down into the southern kingdom of Judah and destroy them. Specifically when I talked about last week that Ahab's daughter, Jezebel's daughter, marries one of the kings of Judah. And she is a big time Baal worshiper because her mother and father were. And so that's why God said when you go into the land of Canaan, Get rid of all the idols. You know, don't don't have any foreigners in the land. You know, just basically destroy all these people because they will cause you to go into idolatry and serve other gods. He was not kidding because exactly that's what happens. And he says, O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as the morning cloud and as the early dew it goeth away. That's pretty nice. How would you like somebody to say, you, you got, you're a really good person, Bob, but you know, your, your goodness is kind of like the, the dew in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I, I think that's a left-handed compliment. You know, that'd be like saying you do really good until the frost is gone. Uh, that's pretty quick if the if the sun's out and it's heating up. It says therefore, 
Have I hewed them by the prophets? I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. Wow. He he basically saying you guys are getting judged as much as much as the as the the daylight comes. Well light usually comes every day, doesn't it? I mean look outside, it's light. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed. That's kind of a sad verse too. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant, God's contract with them. There have they dealt treacherously against me. Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. And as troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way by consent. You know, last week I talked about when the priests, when the religious and the state government get hooked up. It's disaster. And here we have priests murdering people. They're laying wait by the highways, murdering people coming down the road. Now that's how bad it is in the land of Israel and here at this point. So so the company of priests murder in the way by consent, for they commit lewdness. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is whoredom in Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also Judah. He hath set up a harvest for thee, and I will return when I returned the captivity of my people. So there's a lot of deep stuff in this passage right here. Okay? And I'm going to say right off the bat, I don't understand all of it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you what I know. Okay? That's what I'm going to try to do. Okay? And so chapter 6, verse 1, is very good. But at the end of the chapter, it's a reverse of all the other chapters in the book of Hosea. It ends in basically destruction. So let's go and look at this. Verse 1. The Jews will return unto the Lord. That's your two blanks. Now that will be a glorious day because that is not happening right now. In fact, in the nation of Israel today, most of the people in Israel do not believe the Old Testament is true. I will say that again. Most of the people in Israel, 90% of the Jews in Israel today, do not believe the book, even though God gave it to them. When you reject, when they rejected Jesus Christ, God's not going to give them any light. So what do they believe? They believe just like normal Americans do. You live for today because tomorrow you die. They kind of have that philosophy, you know. He who wins with the big, most toys wins. That's their philosophy. That's the same philosophy we have. When we say that, oh, the well, United States is a, is a Christian country, you better go back and look at it again. Because most, most of the United States is not. So, uh, the Jews will return unto the Lord in a national sense, in a group setting, but that won't take place until the middle of the tribulation. Okay? Now... I see right now I'm not going to get done with this chapter today because I want to explain things and a lot of times I don't explain really well. But let's go back and look at this. Hold our, put, hold your, put something in the book here in Hosea 6 because we'll be back to it. But I want to go to Isaiah chapter 11. So right off the bat, if 
And when you want to talk about the second coming of Christ, the kingdom being reestablished, the books of Isaiah, the books of Ezekiel, the books of Jeremiah, all the minor prophets, that's basically going to be their theme. So Isaiah chapter 11. Okay. And I just put the whole chapter because I had one verse and then one verse didn't do it justice. So let's just kind of read through this a little bit because we're talking about Israel getting right with God. Verse 1 says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. So who's Jesse? David's father. Okay. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. That branch there is Christ. It, notice it has a capital B. That's another name for the, for Jesus Christ. Shall grow out of his roots, David's. Why? Because David gave him a covenant that out of your seed would be a king that would sit on the throne of Israel forever. Hasn't taken place yet, has it? Okay. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the branch. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth... And again, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. That's Revelation 19.15. Verse 5. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. Now, why do we... Has that happened yet? No. No. Millennium. Millennium. Okay. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. What's the asp? What is an asp? It's a deadly snake, right? I think they're like Egypt, that area. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, notice the phrase, that day, again, second coming, there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people, and it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the what? The remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathos and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. In other words, he's going to restore the people from all over the earth. Here's a passage in Isaiah that, that talks about it. Okay, So we just saw back in Hosea that the people will return unto the Lord and He's going to heal them. Okay? So it says He has torn them, means He has judged them. And then it says in verse 1 that He's going to heal them. So uh, turn over to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30.
and we're going to start in verse 17. Because I want to focus on God's going to heal them. Jeremiah 30, verse 17 says, For I will restore health unto thee. That would be good to know, right? And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, seeing this in Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents, and have mercy on his dwelling places, and the city shall be builded upon his own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof. And out of them shall proceed... What's the next word? Thanksgiving. I thought that was kind of neat because we're getting ready to have Thanksgiving and yet they're going to have a national Thanksgiving when Christ comes back. And the voice of them that make merry and I will multiply them and they shall not be few. I will also glorify them and they shall not be small. Their children children also shall be as aforetime and their congregation shall be established before me and I will punish all that oppress them and their nobles shall be of themselves and their governor shall proceed from the midst of them and I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach unto me for who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me saith the Lord and ye shall be my people and I will be your God so that is what God wants from his people He wants them to realize that He's their God and they are His people. You know what? That's the same thing He wants for us. He wants us as Christians to realize that the Lord is our God and we are His people. That's all God has ever wanted all down through time. And He's wanted His children to obey Him. And every time His children disobey Him, it hurts. And we feel that we have felt that all down through history, that the the sting of that sin. Okay? But God wants to restore them. Okay? So again, why is this so important for us to know? God's going to restore a bunch of Jews way across the ocean. We don't even we don't even know them. Because God gave them the promises that He would do this. And again, if He fails in doing it with them, He'll fail with doing the promises He's given us. And so, and the neat thing is, we get better promises. They get a physical inheritance in the land of Israel, in the millennium. We get a spiritual glorified appearance to be with Christ. We will be married to Christ forever. Think about that. That's kind of weird being a guy, but we're going to be like this with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. And we'll, we'll be wherever He is, and we'll be partaking of everything He's doing. Okay? And so, that's why it's just important to realize God's kingdom and how it breaks down. Because God king, God's kingdom and whole, the kingdom of God, is a huge kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is just kind of a subset of that. Okay? But yet, they work together. And then, I haven't even talked about going out into eternity, what's going to happen, because that will blow my mind as well as yours, but that's going to happen. So, he's going to heal them, Jeremiah thirty seventeen on. And then back in Hosea, he says, he has smitten them. So, see that in verse 1? I'm not even going to get out of verse 1 today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be as bad as Brian. But... <laughs> 
Well, I'm not I'm not going there. But he says, he hath smitten. What does smitten mean? I mean, if you're like me and you're reading the Bible, you get, I don't know all these words. i got to think through them. I think I know what it means, but what really does it mean? What does smitten mean? To smack down? I love that. Beat them down. Beaten down. He has beaten them. He has beaten them down. So he goes... Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath beaten down. Now, that's not real real good to know. My father has beaten me down. <laughs> no, but he has because they disobeyed him. But, what's the next verse, it's, or the next part? He will bind us up. Okay? And then, verse 2. After two days... Will he revive us? Now let's stop and think about that. What is what in the world is two days? Two thousand years. Again, you know, this class is the advanced class, and we're not the oldest. Well, we might be, but we're not. <laughs> My point is this: Yes, we know some Bible around here, so we need to use it. Okay. Yes, two days are two thousand years. So your blank there says, after two days will the Lord revive them. Now again, what does revive mean? Bring back to life. life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you might ask, where do we get those uh, 2,000 years? Well, okay, so Paula, where would we go? If you're going to prove that, where would you go? Okay, I need a verse. I need. Come on, snap it out there, guys. Anybody? No. Let's go to Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter. Second Peter three eight. You know the reason I'm giving the guys a hard time over that is because as a preacher, and I get up here and I open my big fat mouth. I got to be able to back up what I say, and sometimes it's kind of hard. And so you're asking them to help back you up. That's right. Okay. I need all the help I can get, Diane. You got me figured out. So Second Peter, Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter. Let's let's go there. Second Peter three eight says. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Okay. Now, from that, we can, we can lay out the Bible, and we can lay out history into a 7,000-year period. We've got 4,000 years before Christ, roughly, and 2,000 years after Christ. So that's 6,000 years. The seventh year is the millennium. So why the rapture hasn't happened, and we're in the millennium right now, I don't get but we got to be close. Okay, there was, There's been several people that have messed with our calendar, so we don't even know exactly where we are in time. But I would say probably go back to the Jewish calendar and we would get really close. But anyway, the Bible says in the book of Hosea, 700 years before Christ, that within two days, the Lord's going to revive them as a nation. Okay? All right, let's keep going. And in the third day, so the three goes in your next blank there. On the third day, the Lord or the Lord will raise them up. Okay? So in the third day, the Lord will raise them up. So let's go back to the book of Ezekiel. And again, 
That's what I love about Brian. That's what I love about this church when somebody teaches Monday night Bible study or Monday night, Wednesday night Bible study, and they have asked the, the pastor a question night, and you ask him a question, and what does he normally do? Does he just give you an answer and go to the next question? He does what with it? He takes you back to the Word of God. And so when you're witnessing to people and you're talking to people and, you're, and whatever you're doing in your life, all and they ask you a question, always take them back to the Bible. That way, if they don't like your question... They can get mad at God and not you. I, I know several years ago, my, my daughter was going on uh, some people at school on Facebook, and they were talking about certain issues, and and one of the things they told her, they said, well, every time we ask you a question, you always take it back to the Bible. I mean, what are you doing? And I was so proud of my daughter at that moment. And I'm like, yes, that's what you do. Take them back to the Bible. And if they want to get upset with God and the Bible, let them. But, you know gets you off the hook kind of but um ezekiel where did i tell you to go 37 i gotta get there i'm ad-libbing way too much today last week i was going too fast this week i'm going way too slow i gotta get a happy medium here yes okay (laughs) ezekiel 37 and let's read one through uh 15 because we're going to talk about what the lord's going to do to his to the nation okay and the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. Okay, now you guys know where I'm going? Okay. And he caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. You know, we, we came to church today, and we just got to the parking lot, and there was a truck in front of us, and he was just fogging up the place. Okay. So Sharon lives down that dusty road, and you know how that goes. We used to live on a gravel road five miles, and so we're like, it's just a dust ball. Can you imagine? Sometimes it's worse than having been driving in snow because you can't see. Yep. And, and people drive really slow on that gravel road, don't they? No. <laughs> we had a gravel road, and I, pe- and I would drive 50, 55 on it every day, and there was people that would pass me on a gravel road, and I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. Um but anyway, I was just thinking, I'm throwing stuff in. You know, in the tribulation, that last three and a half years, which we've kind of been focusing on a lot today, when Moses and Elijah are here, they're going to call that there is no rain for three and a half years. How, how dusty is that road going to be? But there's no rain for three and a half years. You ever think about that? Of course, we won't be here. Hallelujah. But I'm like, imagine that. I mean, imagine that. No rain for three and a half years. Okay. Climate change. That will be climate change. That's the only time I'll say that's true. Okay, verse 2. And these bones were very dry. I just, you know, it's kind of weird. Once you get to know the Bible and you're studying things out in the Bible, you just see stuff popping up everywhere you go in the Bible. And I guarantee you, the things we're learning in the book of Hosea about the second coming and what God's going to do and judgment, I don't care what book you're in. It'll pop out at you. I don't care what book. You'll see the you'll see the implications popping out all over the Bible. Okay? Verse three. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Boy, did he give him a good answer. <laughs> That's like, what did you learn in Sunday school today, son? Uh, 
and it's either the Bible, I learned about Bible, Jesus, or, or God. They have three standard answers, you know. So when they would say one of those three, I'm like, you didn't learn anything, did you? <laughs> but uh, he answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And ye shall live, and ye shall know. There it is. And and you shall know that I am the Lord. Over and over. That's what God wants people to know. That he is God. He is the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Verse 7. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together. Bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them. And the skin covered them above. And there was no breath in them. Kind of like a horror movie going on right here. And then verse 9. And then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon this these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of who? Israel. Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore, prophesy and say against them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out, come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and you shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Wow. Again, another prophecy that God is going to bring the people back to the nation of Israel. Just like we're seeing here in the book of Hosea. Okay? And so, um, let me go a little farther. At least I'll get through verse 1. Then it also says, uh, not this verse 1, verse 3. Let's read verse 3 again of Hosea chapter 6. says, And then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth. And let me back up. I misspoke. And after the two days, verse 2, will he revive us. And in the third day, he shall rise us up. Now also, I didn't get to this, but we know that the third day also is a big deal for us Christians. So, that third day is always a reference to Christ raising on the third day. So, that is tied into this. And the third day, He will raise us up. Because, let me tell you this, if He didn't rise from the grave, He would not be able to do this. Okay? And in the third day, He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. Again, Millennium, end of tribulation. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, and as the latter and the former rain unto the earth. So we have a lot of stuff going on in that verse. We have everything from the rapture, the second coming, to the millennium, all wrapped up in that verse here. So it says, They will live in his sight during the, and you have a blank in your handout. First of all, tribulation goes in that blank. 
But that's not all. Millennium also goes in that verse because it will carry on into the millennium. And that's not all. It'll carry on into eternity. Okay? They will live in his sight. Okay? Why is that? Because Christ will be there. They will know the Lord's doings, that he will come in the morning, which is a reference uh, to Jesus Christ coming back, because when Jesus comes back and he actually sits down on the Mount of Olives, it will be in the morning. It's all over the Bible. We'll see it. I mean, you start looking for it. It'll pop out everywhere you go. And you can see that in Revelation twenty-two sixteen. In fact, let's just go there because I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Revelation twenty-two sixteen says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. What star is he? The morning star. Why does it say morning? That's the beginning of something, I think. I always think of, you know, the morning is the beginning of the days. So right. The of the but we think, of, we think of a star as being night, but it says here he's the morning star. He is the sun. Okay. But the sun approaches the earth, we call when? In the morning. Okay, so all that second coming references. And then it also says, And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain into the earth. And so there's some references here that I don't have time to look at. But basically, they all refer to rain. They all refer to a rain in the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation. And the Christ will come and sit down on the throne in the morning, after a rain, and yes, Carrie, you had something? Well, Malachi 4, verse 2. Yes. It says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and go up as calves for the stall. Yes. So, that's just a reference. Another reference. Christ is, is likened into the morning <coughs> star, the sun, he will be coming in the morning. He will be coming after a rain. And why is rain so important? Why does the Bible keep talking about the early and the latter rains? And why are they so ideal in the book of in in the time of the tribulation? Because it hasn't rained for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So think of rain as refreshing. As yes. Giving. Uh, life again to the earth. And you know what? That's so true because he, Christ will come and he's going to send a rain and he's going to refresh. He's going to restore. Everything ties together if you're studying things out. And so when you go through the Bible and you, you see a, a phrase or a verse talk about the latter rains, it's talking about these rains that take place in the end of the tribulation. There's a passage in 1st uh, or 2nd Kings where Elijah's caused the rain to cease for, is it three years there? Too? Yes. Yeah. And we could go there, yes. So, uh, yeah, we could tie that right in. I had some references, and that was one that I had, but for time space, I kind of left that one out. But again, my point is, you will see it. The more you, when you start learning this Bible and you start reading this Bible, it just ruins you. 
It does, because it, it's kind of like getting a, a new car. And Now, I haven't had a new car for a long time. But when, but when you get a new car, aren't you proud of that car? And it's like you, you, you drive it to Walmart, and you, and you drive in the parking lot, and you go, hey, there's a car just like mine, man. It's just the same color, same make, same everything. And you go someplace else and go, wow, there's another car just like mine. And you start seeing it, right? You guys ever do that? Okay, I guess you didn't have to be a new car. It just has to be a, a new car to you. The Bible is the same way. When you start seeing these things and you start learning about when Christ is coming back and how it ties together, and you'll look at, you'll see that all through the Bible. You'll see that truth. It'll just pop out at you. You can't help but see it. That's what's so neat about Scripture. It's all tied together. It's not separate. At first, you think, well, that's sort of separate. But then, if you read further and further and further, it gets. You know, you, everything gets bound together. It is tied together. Okay. And so, we are, we're so close to the tribulation, guys. And so, again, why does God put this in the book? He puts everything in His book because He wants His people to know what's going to happen, including us. And even the things we don't understand, when the Jews get right with God during the tribulation, they're going to have this book. Maybe it's a book we produced here in the armory, and maybe they'll get it out, and they'll go, where is Harrisonville? I don't know. But, I mean, they'll, they'll read the book, and between Moses and Elijah and, and God giving them His Spirit, it's going to make 100% sense to them. And they're going to know, they're going to know that Christ is coming back before He does because they're in the tribulation and they have God's Word. They have Moses and Elijah, His two prophets, and they are going to get things put back together right. Okay? And so, why does God give them that now? They're not, they're not believing it now, but they will at some point. And it will all make sense. So the same thing He does for them, He does for us. He gives us His Word so we know what's going to take place in the future. Okay? So I've kind of beat that, but... Uh, I want you guys to realize that. This book is so important for us to know. And it's written down. It's not hearsay. It is the Word of God. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the promises that you gave to the Jews that you will fulfill to the latter. And we thank you for the promises that you have given us to the church that they will be fulfilled to the latter. And basically, Lord, you want us to know that you are God. And... uh, Lord, we admit that today. You are our God. You are our Lord. You're our Savior. You're our everything. And Lord, we we just come to you and acknowledge that. And we are so, uh, so glad that you have forgiven us our sins and that we are your people. So we pray for uh, this week, Lord, give us opportunities to to witness to people. Uh, Lord, uh, just uh, guide us each day. On Thanksgiving Day, on, on Thursday, help us remember that we need to give you Thanksgiving. And Lord, we pray for the second uh, service here with Brian, and we pray that we would just listen to the words that you've given him this week, and we apply all this in our life, and we thank you for for your word, and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.